I'm Lee Rocker, and you're listening to the Rock Solid Podcast. to be this is small town music this is big town music he's ahead of his time you know but he can't use it if only he could prove it well tomorrow's just a song away a song away a song away Hey everybody, welcome to Rock Solid, the comedy podcast for all things music, both new and classic. I'm Pat Francis, and joining me today in the Zoom room, you know him best from the Stray Cats. He's also in the band Phantom Rocker and Slick, but today we're going to talk about his exceptional solo catalog. Please welcome bassist extraordinaire, Mr. Lee Rocker. Lee, how are you doing? I'm doing, doing really good. So Lee, the reason you're on today is a couple of weeks ago... I got a, an email, I got a press release about an upcoming album by you called Gather Round. Now, at that point, I didn't even know that you had solo albums. So I was like, oh, okay, this is cool. So I dropped the digital needle on this thing, and I was blown away at how fantastic your music is. I, I mean, I, I'm kind of bummed that for all these years, I didn't know that you were a solo artist in your own right. And this Gather Around album, because I've gone now and I've listened to every single one of your albums, for me, this is your best album. So bravo. Thank you. This uh, I'm, I'm really, uh, really proud of this record. Put a lot of, a lot of work into it, and it's just, it just came together. Uh, it just came together for me. And was this uh, was this recorded during uh, the lockdown, or was this recorded before? Um, the the vast majority of this record was done during the lockdown. Um, really, uh, so there's a couple of different ways to record, of course. Um, but you know, I had to alter things uh, to to do this record during uh, you know the time of COVID with with all of this. So uh, most of the record was written. Uh, during the lockdown and recorded. And I, I found, you know, uh, it was a solitary, solitary endeavor in a lot of ways, because it was really the, most of the time just myself in a, in a studio and my engineer in the control room on the other side of, side of the glass and really uh, worked in that manner through most of this record and having my, my uh, bandmates who are fantastic uh, Buzz Campbell on guitar and Larry Mitchell on drums and Matt Jordan on piano, um, sending me their tracks. So there was a lot of back and forth to do it. Um, but it, it came alive. The listener, we, we wouldn't know that you guys weren't in the studio together because it sounds so good. No. And, and, a, and a lot of records are, are done that way. Sure. You know? I mean, um, of course, but the, at this point it needed to be. And, and I've done records in this fashion before as well. I did something a number of years ago called the cover sessions and, uh, which was me doing cover my version of songs I grew up with really. Right. And, uh, and that was done in the same way too. It was, it, it enables me to play a lot of the instruments also, and to get really down into the, the detail in a, in a really strong way. There's not a note, a percussion, a, a hit on a drum uh, that isn't there for a reason. And, uh, and I'm aware of it. And that's why it's there. Uh, unlike a record where maybe you'd take 
take the band and set up in a large studio and let it rip. That's the other way of doing it. You can get great things that way. Sure. But you don't, there's, you know, it's, uh, it's just the other way of doing it. But this, this was great. And it really gave me a chance to, uh, to, to have a tremendous amount of focus. I mean, everything about it, the cover art is fantastic. Again, the production's great. And you produced this yourself and you've, yeah. you've self-produced all your, your records, pretty much your solo stuff. You know, and, and going back to the Stray Cats, I mean, uh, we had Dave Edmonds as a producer on some and a few other producers, but wound up doing a lot of, uh, a lot of the production, uh, myself or ourselves, depending on the, the particular record. And, uh, I had, uh, I had Slim Jim Phantom on, uh, just a, a month or so ago. So, uh, I'm probably not going to ask you too many stray cats questions. Not, I mean, your story probably is the same as, as Slim Jim's. Maybe you have, uh, you know, I, you know what I'm saying, but I want, yeah. I want to concentrate on, I really want to concentrate on, on you. Right. So just, so if I, if I, if I don't ask a lot of stray cats questions, that's why, I mean, I know that's, you, you absolutely fine. I mean, I've, Gather round and and uh, is is what I'm all about right. now with this record coming out this week, um, well next week, but uh, uh, the 22nd. Yes, this episode will drop on the 21st. So, people, right. if you're listening right now, tomorrow you go to your digital outlets or you go wherever you can, or go to Lee's website and and buy this album because it's fantastic. It kicks off with the title track "Gather Round," and it perfectly sets up what you're going to hear for the rest of the record. I mean, it's just, it's, it's fantastic. And Lee, I have to tell you, your singing voice, it, I mean, it's, <laughs> how do I say this without sounding like, uh, you're as good a singer as Brian Setzer is. Oh, thank so, you. So was, was that, was that weird being in a band in the Stray Cats and not singing or was singing something that you came into when you started to do Phantom Rocker and Slick? I, I always sang, I mean, as a kid, as a teenager in, you know, garage bands and, uh, and with the Stray Cats, that just wasn't, that wasn't my gig right. in that. It's just not how it fell together, but I was, I was always a singer and that probably, uh, it certainly led to some frustration at times Yeah, over the 40 years that we've done it or not done it, right. but you know, uh, uh, but, the, you know, every it's being part of a team. Right. Exactly. And I'll put it this way. In, in the band, The Cars, uh, Rick and Ben both sang lead. The Stray Cats could have easily been a band that had you and Brian both sing lead. That That is no slight on the amazing vocals 
of Brian Setzer. I'm just throwing you a compliment because I was uh, I was quite pleased and shocked again, not knowing uh, the solo work of uh, of Lee Rocker. Now, here's something I want to ask you on, on the new record. There's a song that's uh, credited to Leon Drucker, which is your real name. Yes. So now, uh, why is this one song <laughs> credited to Leon Drucker? I'm, I'm surprised you caught that, but um, I'll tell you, it was, I, wrote, I wrote the song, it's uh, When Nothing's Going Right. I wrote that. Uh, th that's one of the few songs that sort of predate 2020. Okay. I think I wrote that in 2019. Um, and as we were uh, talking about doing a Stray Cats album, we did 40, which was the band's 40th anniversary. Yes, great album. Uh, uh, I wrote a couple of songs. That was one of them. And we uh, decided to do it on the Stray Cats record. Okay. And for one reason or another, probably not really being aware of it, uh, that got published under Leon Drucker. Okay. So when it, it's sort of registered in that way. So they just has to stay that it has to stay that way. Now this, what, what, uh, I kind of like was from other artists as well as this is the original version of that song. This was, uh, what I put together with my band, played it for the guys and said, you know, I think this is going to fit really well. And it did, uh, on the cats record, but I wanted to go, go out, you know, sometimes putting these things together, it's a little bit of a Rubik's cube in, in a sense. And I'm I'm big into the sequence of an album. Mm -hmm. some, I'm old school. So I know people just play a track or something, but really how the flow is from start to finish in, in a complete album, a complete work. And uh, it just fit so well. And and I've always been a fan of hearing multiple versions of a song, someone's first first version as opposed to what the uh, different band brings to it. And I agree with you. I'm a, I'm in, I love to listen to an album start to finish. And I think that sequencing would probably be one of the most difficult things in putting together an album. I mean, of course, writing a song isn't easy and recording. It's not easy, but then after you have these 10 or 11 tracks and now you gotta, they, there has to be a flow and uh, right. you must agonize over that. Totally. And, and I, I think that must go back to, LPs, you know, really like playing vinyl, which is something that I, I love and I, I do daily um, to get that kind of a flow on any record. And and even the pause when you've got to get up and turn it over. I, I kind of I like I like, like that. Yeah. And uh, just so people know, Gather Round is released on vinyl. Yes, it will be um, the, the vinyl world is slow, unfortunately, yeah. but it is in manufacture and it, it will be over the next uh month or two but we can pre-order it i believe on your website definitely and that nice nice big 12 inch record and we're gonna make it easy for you it's lee rocker.com uh lee i have a, i have a story about your name again your birth name leon drucker 
stage name Lee Rocker. In Woodland Hills, there's a there's a park here. There's a uh, there's a Warner Brothers Park, and there's uh, free concerts in the summer. And this was a few years ago. And I'm driving, and there's a big banner out promoting that you're going to be there. Uh-huh. But the <laughs> the banner says, "From the Stray Cats, Lee Walker." <laughs> and and I was like, "Hmm, that's interesting." And I was like, "I wonder if that's maybe that's Lee's real name. Maybe that's what he." So I, I look it up, and I'm like, "Oh no, his real name's Leon Drucker." So I call the Parks Department, and this uh-huh. woman picks up, and I said, "Hey, I'm driving." past Warner Park and uh, I noticed that uh, and she I go I noticed that uh, Lee and she goes and she just cuts me off she goes I know we're fixing it (laughs) (laughs) that's great but uh, yeah I I, I assume someone there was just a miscommunication over a phone and someone heard Lee Walker instead of Lee Rocker so Uh uh, but I just thought that the woman was having not having my complaint at all so I saw a magazine once that had an ad for Freetwood Mac (laughs) F-R-E-E-T. There you go. There you go. Next song in the record, one that I really like, is Graceland Auctions. Tell us a little bit about that song. Yeah, that was the last song I wrote for uh, uh, for this record. And just to, to back up for a second, um, most of this record I wrote, like we were saying, during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. My wife and I uh, got in our Airstream, uh, which is what Gather Around's about, and we took off across the country for about six weeks. Nice. And just, you know, uh, I'm so used to being on the road and going from place to place that it was really, I mean, getting to everyone, but it was getting, it was getting to me. So we took off and uh, went from California to New York and back. We took a Southern route and then a Northern route. And, uh, uh, and I wrote songs as we went. So this whole album sort of is my, this is my year. Yeah. This is what it's about. And great to go to Graceland Auction. When we got back, I sat down in my office where I am now and looked at, I know we're not on TV, but this, which is the auction at Graceland book. Oh, nice. I've been getting these for years. um, And I'm a a bit of a collector and a huge Elvis fan. And I sat down, I had the guitar in my lap and I went, oh man, that's, there's a song there. (laughs) For sure. And that one literally was just, Quick. And it is a favorite and, and it's the whole, you know, it's, it's the Elvis nation. It's the auction. It's, it's, you know, ashtrays and transistor radios and, and everything. And, and really, I mean, I think it's super cool. I'm, I'm a giant Elvis fan. Now so I got to put that together. The stuff in that catalog, um, the Graceland auctions, is it stuff that Elvis owned or is it just stuff that has his name on it? Well, no, it's stuff that he owned. Okay. And they, they did it at Graceland for years. I think they've moved it to another site now, uh, but they've done it for a long time. And it's just, it, it, you know, it goes from 
super cool to bizarre. And what do you, and what do you own? What do you personally own? Um, well, I did bid on Scotty Moore's guitar nice. and unfortunately that one got away. That's a gold, uh, Gibson. Um, and, uh, uh, that one got away. It just got, got to be too much. I did wind up and Scotty was a dear friend of mine. Uh, we worked together a lot. He joined my band and, and we toured the U S I played on his record. He's played on mine. Uh, and, uh, I did wind up then circling back, trying to get it, couldn't do it, but uh, Gibson had made 80 of them in commemoration to him. I did wind up getting the n- number five. Oh, that's great. good. That's uh, yeah. hey, hey, top five. Let yeah. me ask you something, because I'm married too. When you're bidding on something like that, when it gets when it starts to get to a certain price, do you have to clear that with uh, with the wife if you can keep oh, yeah. going? <laughs> yes, yeah. of course. <laughs> How long have you been married, Lee? 33 years. Congratulations. And kids? Thanks. Do you have kids? Yeah, two, two grown kids, uh, 28 and 30. Uh, my son actually is a, uh, a film person, and he does a lot of my videos and, uh, uh, you know, obviously rock video type things. Uh, and also has put together, when I tour uh, at this, what my preference for playing now in these last years really has been, is I go out and I, I'm in performing arts centers. Okay. Um, all across the country and, and Europe as well. And do a show that it's a concert, but it, it's more than that. I get to tell stories. There's a video screen. There's stills at times on it. Uh, there's films that I can talk about. And it's so it's a, it's a behind the music and it's uh, live and it's a concert. A more interactive experience. Absolutely. And the performing arts centers are just, they're suffering so badly right now, of course. Um, but they're fantastic. Was they're generally, you know, five hundred to fifteen hundred people say, um, so they're intimate. Yeah, you can feel the audience. The sound is great. A lot of them are restored old vaudeville theaters. So it's just, a, and that's really what I, what I've been loving and what I've been doing, and playing the mu- playing my music, playing music that's touched me and been part of my my life these last forty some odd years. You know, have that interaction with it. And then it must be satisfying. You're working with your son. Um, you know, here's a kid that, uh, you, you know, you you can remember him in diapers. And now you have to like defer to him for some things that he knows that dad doesn't know about. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, he's, he's really helped with this, with this show on the road. Excellent. That's cool. There's a cover on the, the album. Uh, there's a cover on the album, Ophelia. It's a Robbie Robertson song. Uh, great cover. I wanted to know what's your process when you're choosing a cover for an album. Yeah, um, yeah, that is a, a band song. Um, everything I do, um, I really feel I've got a personal attachment with, or I wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, a number of years ago, I got a phone call uh, if I would uh, to invite me to the Midnight Ramble, 
And for those folks who don't know, the Midnight Ramble was Levon Helm, voice of the band, the drummer of the band. That was in uh, upstate New York, right? Is where yeah, that would he, be? He he was ill at the end of his life. He was still winning Grammys and, and an incredible artist. Um, but he couldn't tour any longer. So he came up with an idea to do a thing called the Midnight Ramble. And every Saturday night in his barn in Woodstock, he would gather his band, gather around, uh, and invite guests. And I was uh, privileged enough to get that invitation a couple of times. Nice. And uh, went up to Woodstock and uh, and got to play and sing with Levon. And uh, after doing that, I think two or three times, uh, I added that song to uh, to my live concert, and just loved how it felt and and memories of playing with Levon, who was an incredible incredible musician and drummer yeah that album is also on your that song is also on your live album the low road right that's right. the fr- now when you're a bass player and you're playing with a a drummer that you've never played with before how long does it take until you guys are i don't know what the what the musician term would be but how uh-huh. until you guys are in sync or you're feeling like you're in a groove together depends how good they are <laughs> okay gotcha and, and uh with that particular thing with Levon, I will never forget actually, because it was instantaneous. And, you know, there's probably 15 people playing on stage. I'm playing bass and singing and I'm, I'm turned. So I got my bass so I can see him. Mm-hmm. And we just, we just locked eyes for a minute. And it kind of was like, I knew, you know, we had this thing right there. Yeah. For um, me, I'm a music fan, but I don't play an instrument. So to me, it's all, it's magical because I have no idea how you guys are keeping it all together. I I just, it's, it's so foreign to me. Yeah. At its best, it should be like a conversation. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, where really you're, you're just so in in listening uh, so intently that you you're developing this. It's a conversation. Great. Well, I mean, that sounds, I mean, it sounds amazing because again, you and Slim Jim have played for years, so that's that's probably easy. But right. then when you, you and you're probably are you nervous when you're playing with Levon Helm? I mean, he is he is a peer, but then if you're a fan, how do you how do you get out of your head? Um, I don't really nerves don't get me when it comes to music. All right, cool. Um, I mean, other things in life for sure, but yeah, that's that's a place that I'm really comfortable yeah. uh, being. That's good because um, since that's your, and I won't even call it a job because if you're comfortable in it, it's just got to be fun. At total fun. And I know there are, you know, great musicians who suffer from nerves really badly. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and I'm sure you can turn that energy on as well. Maybe in some ways for some people, that's almost a positive, you know? And then you, you kind of got your instrument there for protection too. If you, if you need it, you yeah, can feel well, like you're protected. Like when a lead singer wears sunglasses on stage for protection or whatever yeah, reason. True. I've got, I've got a, uh, you know, a, a six foot two inch wooden box in front of me. That's true. You know I mean? It's a little bit of, you know, uh, uh, something to lean on for sure. Now, when did you start playing the upright bass? Was that, was that the first instrument you started to play as a teen? No, I, uh, I grew up in a musical family. Uh, my dad, Stanley Drucker, was the solo clarinetist with the New York Philharmonic for wow. 61 years. Well, amazing. Cool. From from 
he started when he was 19 and he retired at 81. And my mom is a clarinetist also and was a, a uh, music professor at Hofstra University in New York. So the only rule that they had for us growing up uh, was that you played an instrument and you took lessons. So at about seven years old, I started playing cello, uh, you know, with the teacher, obviously, and, and all of that, and did that for about five or six years, probably to 12 or 13, maybe. Okay. Um, at that point, really fell in love with rock and roll, I guess I would say. And the music that I gravitated towards was blues, and that led me to rockabilly. And the the records that I loved and the sounds that I loved all had upright bass. Okay. I, I, I have an electric as well. I always have. So, I'm, you know, I played, you know, junior high and things, uh, electric bass in, in bands. But I couldn't get the propulsion, the percussion that you get off of uh, an upright bass. Okay. It really is. It's the engine. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. In that it's the motor, the engine that drives this style of music. It was it was a a fairly easy transition. Cello, you sit and you play it. It's a four stringed instrument. Here you're standing, a four string instrument. It was it was a natural bridge to, to take. And when you're a seven year old, a cello is gigantic, and then as a grown up, the upright bass is gigantic. So you're just comfortable behind that big piece of wood. I was going to say, you know, like carrying that cello through the snow in New York was a drag at like 12 years old, yeah. but, but this, this is worse. <laughs> so I'm assuming then when you joined a band and you decided to move to uh, England with the Stray Cats, your parents were just like, of course, that's what he's going to do. He's that's, he's been around it all his life. Yeah. There was no, there were no, uh, no one said boo about it. I mean, except go for it. Yeah. Uh, good. I'm, yeah, I had very, I have still very supportive, uh, uh, parents and, uh, and that's, it's the same world. I mean, my dad spent, uh, so many years going on tours and, and all of that, you know? And then when success hits, they must be, you know, over the moon. Totally. Yeah. Totally. They're, that, they're uh, incredible. That's cool. Now, when you moved to London with the stray cats, you got a, you, you take an upright bass with you or do you get a new one when you get there? No, um, we literally bought four seats on a plane from a Kennedy Heathrow. Um, and one of them was for my bass. Um, <laughs> I love we, that. Great. We got there. Uh, we got there. I, I guess, I don't know. We were dumb. We were dumb and lucky or, or smart. I don't know what, but, uh, I'm so damn young. I was 17 years old when I, when I left home and, and moved there. Um, we wound up luckily enough in different lines at customs and I'm standing there with 17 <laughs> years old, you yeah. know, with this base standing next to me and the customs cop. And, uh, he said, Oh, you must be a music student. And I went, that's right. <laughs> and you know, let me in. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, we brought a you know a guitar, a snare drum, and a, and a bass. There you go. All right. Now, if your son or uh, you have a, you have two sons or son and a daughter, son and a daughter. 
if your kids at 17 wanted to pick up their guitar and move to uh, the UK, how would, uh, how would a, a grown up uh, Lee Rocker feel about that? Um, I, I deal with it. <laughs> you would, you would let them deal it, do it, but you, you'd have to I'm deal sure with it. I'd be up some nights, you know, worrying about it, but yeah. I would deal with it. Isn't that funny? I, I, cause that's how I am too. You know, I remember the stuff I did at the age my kids are now and they yeah. don't do any of that stuff. And I'm just, and I'm happy. Yeah. No, <laughs> and I'm happy. Um, you know, uh, you know, you gotta have some luck. Yeah, you do. You do. But yeah, you, you know, good parenting helps too. So uh, I'm going to jump to 2011's cover sessions only because you mentioned it a little bit ago. This is one of the most inspired cover albums I've ever heard because the spin that you put on these songs, and these are songs that we all know people, Bruce Springsteen's Dancing in the Dark, Tonight She Comes by the Cars, Come Together by the Beatles, uh, Come Dancing by the Kinks. They put a parking lot on a piece of land supermarket used to stand before that they put up a bowling alley on the site that used to be the local pally that's where the big bands used to come and play my sister go there on a saturday come dancing all the boyfriends used to come and call why not come dancing it's only Your versions of these are so cool. And sometimes if you close your eyes, you won't know what the song is until you start to hear the lyrics and then it'll come to you. And I really like that. I really, cause sometimes a covers album is just straightforward. And, and, and sometimes I just feel like who cares? Why? I mean, do something different. And you did. Yeah. I, I really, I really believe and Thank you. And I really believe you got to do something different. If you're going to, uh, if you're going to, uh, uh, especially tackle classic songs like I wanted to do with that, those were all songs I grew up with, lying in bed with the transistor radio next to me, yeah. uh, you know, or listening to whatever it was back then, WABC radio, and uh, where, and literally fell asleep as as a kid listening to, and uh, and I, I, that's another record that I'm I'm really happy with. It was done very similarly to gather around um to the point where if you're listen if you listen to the cover sessions there's a really direct line to one of the songs on uh on a gather around which is the last offline lovers i've been lying awake in my bed the rain's falling harder than lead the thoughts of you stuck in my head Remember the words that we said. We can run, but we can't hide. But as long as you're by my side, it's all right. Cause I know that we're not like any others. The last offline love. Well, we always been partners in crime. Because I had done it in the same way where I played a lot of instruments, uh, 
mandolins. And it's one of the concepts of cover session was it's also all acoustic instruments. Yes. There wasn't an electric on there. It's acoustic, everything. Um, no amplifiers. And, uh, and that's what I did on last offline lovers. And it's the tonality is very similar to that record. And, uh, that's the one song on the record where I did play every instrument except the drums. All right. Good deal. Now, the rockabilly lifestyle, Slim Jim told me from the guys, from the time you guys discovered rockabilly music, you were all in. You lived it. You dressed it, the hair, the whole deal. Are you, do you still live the rockabilly lifestyle? Um, that's, a good, that's a good question. Um, I love rockabilly. It's a big part of what I do. Well, but it's not it's not all that I do. Okay. Um I I'm wearing a hat right now, but I definitely have a pompadour and I've got, you know, a, a great collection of 50s rock and roll wear that I that I enjoy the hell out of. Um I I'm I don't live in the 50s. I mean, there are people and God bless them that literally in rockabilly, you know, everything they have is from 1956. Um that's that's not my thing. I, I love the music. Okay. I love the feel of the music. I also love taking that the feel that the the grooves and the uh and the, the feel and the tone of early rockabilly and doing and, and attempting to do something different with it. Gotcha. Reinventing. You know, uh when the music started, when when rockabilly started, obviously it was a a, a blend of uh R and B and and country music came together that was breaking new ground that was revolutionary in a way and i don't try to do rockabilly as a museum piece where you like you take it off the shelf and go oh here it is this is how you do it right and and i've been so fortunate i mean i've gotten i've worked with so many people from carl perkins uh scotty moore george harrison uh you know that it's always, you, you always want to add your stamp to it. But for me, Gather Around is definitely a rockabilly album. I mean, it leans yes. heavily towards the rockabilly. It's in the wheelhouse of people that um, didn't know your other solo work. They would, they, and they only know the Stray Cats. This is right, this is right up their alley. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, that's, that's where I come from. That's, that's, that's the road. And then you, you have a little, off ramps here and there. Let me ask you a personal question because you said you were ma- you've been married for thirty three years. Uh, Stray Cats just celebrated forty years together, so that means seven years in to the Stray Cats, you get married. A lot of rock and roll marriages never work out. I mean, it's a fact. We have the proof. Right. So how did how were you and it, Deborah? Correct. Yeah. How were you guys able to, you know, to make it uh, make it work? We're just really uh, so well uh, connected and suited then. And we wanted to make it work. Yeah. We did. And it's, you know, it's been, uh, that's, it's been an amazing, amazing journey. All right. Well, congratulations. And I mean, I believe you and I are about the same age because when you're saying, listening to these, uh, like dancing in the dark in the cars on, on the transistor radio. I'm, I'm 56 years old. So I believe we're in the wheelhouse yeah, of the same age. 59. 59. There you go. Now, let me ask you this at 59 years old. Are you, when you play live, are you still climbing up on top of your upright bass? Oh yeah. The adrenaline just gets kicks in and you do it. Oh yeah. That's, you know, it's, it's, 
it's part of it. I, I just love it. I mean, and it, and my favorite concerts have always been, I want to be entertained. Yeah. You know, I like I like to see the whole package. And that is one of the things you were saying, uh, you know, with rockabilly, one of the things about it is it's the music, it's the groove, it's the look, it's got the whole, it's got a whole thing about it. How long have you lived in uh, Los Angeles? I moved here, uh, I'm terrible with years, but I think it was probably 83. 83. So oh, this is your, this is your home now. Oh yeah. Kids, kids were born here. This is it. Oh yeah. Good deal. Let's talk about Phantom Rocker and Slick just a little bit because, uh, Slim Jim and I did cover it, but uh, you play, uh, you played an electric bass in that band. Oh yeah. And was that, uh, cause you guys wanted to, at that point, make a more straight ahead rock and roll records, something different from the stray cats. Definitely. Um, and actually, uh, Jim and I, uh, had written songs since we were kids together <laughs> at that point, met Earl slick and got to be buddies. And it was the right time for him to do that. And, uh, you know, uh, Earl was David Bowie's guitar player right. and played on double fantasy with, with John Lennon, uh, great rock player and wanted to do something more a, a rock and roll record. And we wound up doing two and doing a, a good amount of touring. And uh, I, I'm still, uh, I still throw those records on from time to time. Those I are get, good records. Those are solid records. Surprising amount of people reaching out uh, to me uh, regarding those records. And again, uh, as uh, I didn't own those records at the time, but when I would see them in the record stores, I would see, I would see Phantom Rocker and I would see Slick. So because of how the Stray Cats uh, worked, I assumed Earl Slick was the singer. I assumed that you and Slim Jim hooked up with a, another singer guitarist, but were making rock music instead of rockabilly music. So again, my apologies uh, <laughs> to Lee Rocker. Yeah, and, Car and somebody said it sounded like a Miami law firm to me. <laughs> yeah, it kind of does. But then I see the cover and I definitely don't want you guys handling my, uh, my court proceedings. <laughs> um, just a shout out for uh, on one of the songs I love on the album cover girl is uh, still got time. Love that song. Thank Re you. Really good song. All right, let's move on to some of your earlier solo work. The first two albums you released in 1994 and 1995, Lee Rocker's Big Blue and Atomic Boogie Hour. These, um, for me, these were more big band type records. Is that how you would categorize them? Well, I, I would say that they're, they're blues rock records. Okay. Like if I had to put it in a box. Um, and, uh, 
I did that. Big Blue was uh, uh, Mike Eldred on guitar, myself, uh, Henry Debon on drums, and uh, uh, and that was a little bit more blues based. Uh, there are some horns on it. I used the Memphis horns um, on a couple of tracks, so I get the I get the big band component to it in a way. And uh, Memphis horns were you know worked with Elvis and God, uh, you know t- every almost everything that came out of Memphis had the, had had them on it. Um, and also that was the first, uh, my first meeting with, uh, Scotty Moore, who played on two tracks on that record on a song, Little Buster and Shame, Shame, Shame. See, I have that album. I purchased that digitally, so obviously I don't have the liner notes and stuff. So I'm glad you're filling in the uh, the details for me. When you work with the Memphis Horns and Scotty Moore, you know, actually recording with them, you grew up uh, as a fan of these guys. I guess for lack of a better term, you must be pinching yourself and you, you, you probably can't believe what good fortune you've had. Definitely. Um, you know, uh, that was really that was a great moment, uh, uh, recording those records. Um, and, I did them out in Memphis and was, was a cool time was living in a, an apartment, uh, while we did that, uh, overlooking the Mississippi, going to the studio all day long, getting back late at night and just, uh, sitting there looking out these windows at the barges and the traffic, uh, uh, on, uh, on the Mississippi was kind of insane. Do, uh, do your kids like, uh, do they like dad's music? Because, you know, sometimes kids are like, you know, they, they don't really care what their dad's doing. But I, I feel like maybe uh, maybe your kids might be, uh, they might think their dad's pretty cool. They, they're, they, yeah, they, they do. And they come on, uh, uh, come to a lot of concerts and tours. We did uh, the 40th anniversary of the Stray Cats in 2019. And uh, they both, you know, came and went from the tour, meet me in Holland and then again somewhere else. And, you know, we kind of would reconvene. I, I told Slim Jim this. Uh, I've lived in Los Angeles 26 years now. The Stray Cats at the Greek Theater was the only show I have never been able to get a ticket to. Huh. Could not get a ticket to it. No resale, no, no hookups, no nothing. So I'm huh. sorry I missed it, but good for you guys. That must nice. have been a, that must be a thrill to play the Greek theater. Greek was great. Uh, coming back to L.A., it was almost the end of uh, of uh, we, we had done Europe and then we started in the States uh, on the East Coast and worked our way west. And that was right at the tail end of it. And it was it was kind of an amazing thing to to return to L.A. and play that kind of a venue. And the Stray Cats, they never go away. It's always there if you guys feel like you want to do it. Yeah, I mean, we've we've uh, it's 40 years since we started. Um, sometimes we'll go 10 years 
without doing anything. And, and then just, so, you know, the, the door isn't, uh, isn't shut on it. Right. I don't see anything in the near future right now. Uh, where, where I am is really at this point is, uh, uh, waiting out the damn pandemic. Um, and, uh, you know, gather round is coming out and, uh, we're putting concerts on the books, uh, starting in September. Um, and, you know, I think like many people, most people, I'm optimistically looking forward to it. I assume it's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, everything goes right. I think we're, we're back, uh, in concert and performing arts centers and theaters, uh, at the end of this year. And, uh, let's all, let's all fingers, fingers crossed stuff that this happens. When you put shows together, do you like to start in LA or end in LA? Is that what you try to do? With my solo career, I have my own unique ways of doing things. Okay. The longer, the longer I do it, the more I've got my way of doing it. So it, okay. which is one of the, it makes it tougher when it's a collective, like the stray cats with this band members with this. What I'd like to do is I probably do eight, eight shows a month. Um, you know, I'll do uh, maybe a Thursday, Friday, Saturday uh, in the Midwest, and then I'll go home. And yeah. then the next week I'll, and, and I wind up doing a, a, a big number of shows by the end of the year. Uh, you know, not 200. Or- CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be something like like I would do when I was 18 but certainly uh you know 60 70 shows a year which is really my at this point that's where I'm happy doing it it's great for my chops my singing I enjoy it uh but I don't get into the grind of it yeah no no burnout right and uh, it keeps it fresh I gotta say so uh, you know and you know with some bands you can't you can't do that. Uh, it's more expensive to do it that way. It's, um, but it's just the way that I like to do things, you know, it's maybe a little bit more like you were saying with the comedy, some of the, uh, comedy people work right. in that manner. Still. Yeah. They, uh, you know, do a theater here and there, but yeah. 1998, no cats. This is your first solo rockabilly album. And I love the title because you're just saying, it's no cats it's right and um uh friend of the show elliot easton is on guitar on a couple of tracks including uh uh rumbling bass which is just a fantastic song love it so much and elliot's such a great player
Elliot's great. A funny story here. We we both grew up in Massapequa, New York. And as a kid, I guess teenager, I remember Elliot walking down the street with his guitar. And he was always a really nice guy. And he's a, a great player. So I was so happy to get him on that. And No Cats is really my first solo record. The records we talked about before, uh, Big Blue, that was a band. Right. Stray Cat Band, Phantom Rock and Slick. That was... Uh, no Cats really was sort of the launch of me doing solo records. And then you do another, you do a very cool cover on this album too. You do One Way or Another, the Blondie song, and Elliot Easton's also on guitar on that track. One way or another, I'm gonna find you, I'm gonna get you, get you one way or another. I'm gonna win you, I'm gonna get you, get you one way. Yeah, that that was really it, it was great to get together with him again. I mean, he is probably one of the finest rock and roll guitar players that there is. I mean, he really is beyond. And and, uh, and I think underrated sometimes because um, because I think the car with the car, so much focus was put on maybe the guys who were singing it. And because, the, you know, a lot of, you know, those were top 40 radio pop songs and if you really dig deep on the guitar on those you're going to be blown away definitely and and surprisingly his guitar style um really harkens back to rockabilly yes to players like cliff gallup and uh carl perkins and scotty moore i mean he really that's the school he comes from and he took that and injected that that's a, a good a good example of what I was talking about, injecting that kind of sound and technique and, and playing into a uh, new wave, you know, if you want to call it, if you, again, yeah, I was trying to grab the word for it, but yeah. a new wave rock song. Yeah. Again, if we're putting things in a box, I guess, uh, I guess new wave is what the cars goes into, but we know, right. we know music is music. Rock is rock. 2003 bulletproof comes out another solo album i love the track upright and underground such a good song Yeah, that's that's the that's a biographical one. That's really uh, from my eyes. Uh, uh, Stray Cats moving from New York as teenagers to London, and that's you know that that's that story there. And uh, you know, I tried to put that sort of on. If someone's really familiar with with Stray Cats, they would know. Sort of put that on a feel that's a little reminiscent of Runaway Boys. Yeah. 
And I tried to take that kind of a feel and sound and and tell this uh, tell the story of being 17, leaving New York and and arriving in London. And when you guys got to London, was it bare, like you guys didn't have really anything? Like where did, did you, you were sleeping on friends' couches and that kind of stuff? Yeah, we'd sleep in, uh, we spent a good amount of time sleeping in Hyde Park too. Wow. Um, you'd stay out most of the night, which was great, you know, wherever you were going, bars and pubs, whatever. Um, and uh, for, for 25 pence, you could get a uh, sort of a, a folding chair. They would, they would rent them then. I don't know if they still do. Um, and, you know, the parkie would come by and you'd give them a coin and then you just fall asleep on that chair. And that's, that was home. Wow. And I see that, that would, these would have been the things you would have, you would want your kids to avoid if they had moved to London at 17, you would have made sure that they weren't sleeping in the park. Right. Right. And this is, this is the kind of thing that I do with my live concert, which is really talk about some of these and then play the music, you know? Well, I can't wait till you come uh, through LA again. Cause I'm a, uh, I'm the first in line. I can't wait to see you. Excellent. Let's let's make sure that R O C K E R, not Walker. Yes, not Walker. R O C. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't want to go to the wrong show. Um, <laughs> Bulletproof closes out with a cool bass solo called "Bottoms Up." Just a cool feel. Two thousand six, racing with the devil. Now, was this was this album released with a different title first? Um, yeah, it was uh, uh, released in the UK, I think, and uh, under the Curse of Rockabilly. Okay, same cover, just different title, same songs. Yeah. All right. Um, you do a Stray Cats cover on this. You put your stamp on Rock This Town. Yeah, uh, definitely did something different with it. Again, like looking at it, sort of like a cover, where threw it threw it into a minor key and reworked it in in a way that I think is a little darker. Yeah. Actually. Because when we come see you in, in concert, you're gonna you're gonna pull songs from your whole entire career. Exactly. It's cherry picked from everything. Yeah. Every record that I've been involved with and things like we were saying about Ophelia, uh, other people that I've worked with uh and played music and it's sort of become part of my my repertoire as well. And when, um, how do you put together a set list with all these songs? Do you, do you lean heavy on the new album? Like, will you lean heavy on Gather Round? How many Gather Round songs will get in, get in the set list? I think a good amount, you know, uh, when, when we reemerge, um, I'm now looking at what I'm doing live and, and 
Gather Round's the first solo record I've done since 07, I think. Yeah. Um, I've done records, live records and covers. Cover albums, right. Uh, but of original material. And I'm going to play a, a large amount of this record uh, moving forward when I get to actually walk out there and 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 step foot on a stage again. And, you know, uh, I've been doing interviews, and which always makes you think even when you're not being interviewed, like later in the day. Right. And I was thinking really how emotional it truly will be um, to go to a concert again. It'll be on stage, but even to, to witness a concert, I think there's going to be a, uh, at least for me, a really, it's going to take a really deep breath. Yeah. To, I, I agree with you. Um, yeah. For me, you put your heart and soul into writing and recording a new album. And I, I always feel bad for the artist when then they just, kind of just throw two songs in there and then people are going to the bathroom during those songs and they're not embracing the new material. But I feel right. like the the size of venues that you're playing, these people that are coming out to see you are diehard Lee Rocker fans. And so they want to hear the new music. Yeah. I, I actually, you know, you get it from all sides. I get pushback going, uh, why didn't you do this one? Why didn't you do that? It, it's, you know, but that's always going to happen. And, and it's good. It's great. You know? Um, but I do want to play, uh, I do want to inject more of the new stuff, uh, into the, the show starting in September. Yeah. And then people go out in the lobby and they're going to buy this thing because it's, it's amazing. And I can't, uh, you know, I can't tout it high enough. I, I, it's <laughs> what well, to say. It's one of my favorite albums of 2021, wouldn't be that great of a compliment because <laughs> <laughs> we're two weeks in, but right. I, I've been listening to it nonstop since I, uh, since I got the stream, you know, a few weeks ago. So, you know, and th that's high praise because sometimes you listen to an album a couple of times and you're like, all right, but this one has, uh, this one has resonated with me and I continue to listen. So, um, that's, uh, that's why I'm excited to see you live. Uh, what did it do? You also did a cut on racing the devil. You also did a, a phantom rocker slick cover of uh, running from the hounds. And then, as you said, your last, um, your last solo album of all original material was 2007 black cat bone. And the album opener is gone. And that's a killer track. You, uh, sometimes the album opener on is, is the best song in the album. And in your case, that's not the case, but you always choose a real strong track to kick off the album. So again, back to that sequencing. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and, and try to do something that sort of uh, sums up the, the gist of what the record's about for the yeah. most part, you know, um, you know, it's, it's got layers to it, but like, I think with, with this, with gather around with the title track, that's really, jumps out of the box. And, and, uh, as I was saying, this is like, this is like a scrapbook of this year to me right? more than any other record. Um, and I think it's just with the conditions of what was going on in the world and what I was doing and in that airstream. And, uh, that was just kind of in a lot of ways. I mean, that's, that's, you know, straight out rockabilly rock and roll. And it was kind of the joy really of getting out on the road again yeah, and getting out of the house for me. So that's a really, uh, it's that, and I know what's going on out there, of course, we all do, you know, uh, it, it also felt a little bit like 
I rolled down the window and, and, and flipped everyone off and, you know, the world off. Right. Just, right. You know. Well, uh, you know, um, yeah, um, everyone's uh, very emotional, uh, in 2020, but, uh, you took that and you, and you, uh, and you did something positive and good and something, uh, freeing, you know, give yeah, you, um, give yourself uh, some was, pleasure. Yes. And it was, uh, definitely pleasure and cathartic to, to write and record and uh, it, it's what I did. You know, what I did this year is I hit the road. I, I did an album. I hit the road in the Airstream. I looked at the Graceland auction books. Uh, <laughs> spent a lot of time with, with my wife, Deborah, which is the last offline lovers was written to her. Uh, drank dirty martinis. Um, and that's, these are the song <laughs> titles, you know? <laughs> yep. um, yeah, because the there's a song, Dirty Martini, on the album. That's what you were referencing. Um, so on Black cat bone there's a song called what i don't know and it's co-written with roseanne drucker who is roseanne drucker i'm sorry who, my sister that's your sister okay who is obviously a singer and a writer okay cool excellent because yeah. uh when i saw the name i'm like i don't think that's his wife and i guess it could yeah. be his daughter but i wanted to ask you to see who it was so roseanne drucker's your sister excellent um and then we have cover sessions which we which we discussed and uh, 2012, Night Train to Memphis, which uh, I think only has one original song, which is Slap That Bass. Yep. Yep. And then again, a lot of cool covers. I love your version of Wild Child. Excellent. And then 2019, The Low, the Low Road. You've recorded a, a bunch of live albums. What, yeah. makes, uh, what makes The Low Road special? Where was this recorded? This, uh, it was at uh, a venue called uh, Daryl's House in upstate New York, and that's Daryl Hall. Okay. At, uh, from Hall & Oates. He's got a great small venue uh, that he uses to film his show. Okay. Daryl's house. And uh, he's got spectacular recording equipment in there. And uh, and it's a gig. And when he did the gig, and cameras, so it's it, the place is loaded with the best equipment. And we had a great night there. And I uh, was lucky enough that, uh, and I'm, I'm negligent on the name, but uh, Daryl's engineer was there that night and recorded us. Okay. Um, and then afterwards, you know, obviously I, I knew what we were doing there, but then got a copy to view it and decide what to do with it. And, uh, you know, it, it was a great night and it was captured really well. So that's a, a DVD as well. So it's you know, CD and DVD. And how many, how many audience members does this venue hold? How many people were there? Not a lot. Two, two fifty, maybe. Nice. That's great. Yeah, that... And it's all wood. The whole building was light colored wood and had a really beautiful, beautiful tone and sound to it. Uh, uh, especially if you're not trying to, you know, blow people's heads off with volume, which, which we don't do. I would assume that you would rather play to 250 or 500 people that are there and are totally into it than a 3000 seat place that's half full. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's, you know, I would, and I find, you know, I, I like just how the music feels better in, in those kind of places. Not to say that it's not a blast, you know, doing a festival sure, and, and sure. 50,000 people out front. Um, but I like the, I like how the sound uh, in a smaller environment, I think it's, is better. Well, I want to. It's different, you know. Yeah, exactly. 
I want to mention on the low road, you do a six minute version of rock this town, which is super cool. So people check that out. Uh, okay, Lee, I'm looking, it's, uh, we've hit our hour mark. I promise to only keep you for an hour. I, uh, I do want to thank you for being on the show. I also want to tell people that go to leerocker.com and you're on Twitter at the Lee Rocker, T-H-E. Right. Uh, the new album, when you're listening to this podcast, the new album will drop tomorrow. It's called Gather Round. I, I want you guys to, you know, of course I want you to buy it and Lee wants you to buy it, but uh, go and listen to a couple tracks and, and that's the proof. That's what's going to make you buy it. So uh, Lee, thank you so much for your time. I always ask the artist, because I'm going to, uh, throughout the show, Lee, I'm going to, any song we talked about, I'm going to insert a clip of that song. So what uh what would you like as the play out song i would say uh how about uh a dirty martini dirty martini you got it please follow us at rock solid show go to rocksolidpodcast.com for all things about the show and this is lee rocker with dirty martini <laughs>